Greetings and welcome to the audio etheric transmission, The Tales of Sage and Savant. Our tale stars Eddie Louise as Dr. Petronella Sage, Chip Michael as Professor Erasmus Savant, Emily Riley Pyatt as Mix Abigail Entwistle, and myself, Justin Bremer, as your humble narrator. Special guest stars this episode are Giancarlo Herrera as Julio and Leslie Gideon as April. If you want to learn more of the stories of Sage and Savant and the reasons why I record these broadcasts, you can pick up our book, Transmigrations, available on our website and everywhere books are sold. If you like our show and would like to help us do what we do, go to patreon.com slash sageandsavant and become a supporter. This month's program, entitled Insert Tab F in Slot P, is sponsored by Wi-Fi Sci-Fi and features the music of Kate Nix. And now, without further ado, we bring you the tales of Sage and Savant. Last we spoke, the doctor was doing battle with co-apperception somewhere in the catacombs of Paris. I want to be able to tell you how that crisis resolved, but it is the nature of historical research to learn what we do in bits and bobs, fits and starts, and then puzzle piece it all together. The fact is, Dr. Sage did not complete writing that diary entry, so the record cuts off, meaning I was required to do what any other historian in my place would do go on to the next record in chronological order and try to match the edges, as it were. The next record was a diary entry from Mix Abigail Entwistle, and this is what it revealed. Ugh, finally! Home, home, home! Professor? Doctor? Anyone here? Her only answer is the enthusiastic welcome from the creatures in the menagerie. The laboratory is void of human denizens. Oh. Well, it's just us chickadees. Let me get changed and cleaned up and I'll come visit. Transmigration is a traumatic event, I will remind you, ladies and gentlemen. It involves death, the rending of the consciousness from flesh, and the flinging of said self through the ether to hopefully land at home in your own body. 
The tones from the singing bowls make this a less painful process, but the fact remains that a human consciousness without its body is a delicate thing, and we simply do not know enough about it to determine the effects on the memory centers, most specifically the retention of short-term memories. In this case, Abigail remembers that the doctor had gone to Paris, but it would be two days before she remembered the entirety of my message. Can I get you some cake to go with your tea, Abigail? I really shouldn't. But that would be lovely. Benoffee, please. Abigail and Erasmus have met to discuss their next steps in reining in the excesses of the doctor. The trip to the far future had rattled them, but Erasmus had a meeting with his publisher, and Abigail had the rare opportunity to attend at the birth of a giraffe, and no matter how concerned they were for their friend, they had lives of their own to lead as well. So, how was it? The new calf? Oh my goodness, I learned so much. We weren't sure at first that it was happening because Nessa pretended she wasn't in labor. Evidently, this is a wild behavior designed to fool predators. Sound evolutionary strategy, that. Well, yes. She was at 455 days, so we knew the calving was imminent. I'm so glad I didn't miss it. You must need a fairly large sterile enclosure for a giraffe to lie down and give birth. Wasn't aware that the city zoo had such facilities. No, Professor. You should remember this from our month in Emperor Charlemagne's menagerie. It is not good to render a sterile birth environment for animals. They need as close to a natural habitat as possible. And anyway, giraffes accomplish labor and delivery in a standing position. Standing? Oh my goodness. Doesn't that mean the calf drops quite a distance to the ground? Yes, and that's what breaks the umbilical cord and opens the amniotic sac. It is quite genius, that. My, the things one learns when they're friends with a veterinarian. <laughs> I could say the same about being friends with the professor of ephemera. How goes the book? Oh, you know these things. It's rough and it will always get worse before it gets better. At least my editor and I came to an agreement on the Furbelows chapter. You have an entire chapter on pleated petticoat borders. Oh, no, not just the petticoats. I use the petticoats Furbelow as an entry to discussion of ornamentation that serves both a practical and decorative purpose. The Furbelow, for example, does not just add a pretty flounce to the bottom of the petticoat. It helps the skirts stand away from the feet for better walking clearance. A great deal of things that might look purely aesthetic actually have a dual purpose in this manner. Our opinions on the value of items change when they are shown to have more than a decorative purpose. But also, from the point of view of a historian, we can assume relative poverty or wealth based on decoration. But if we just discount a secondary practical usage, we might assume incorrectly. Fascinating. You really enjoy this work, don't you? <laughs> it is my life's passion. You seem surprised. Did you think you and Dr. Sage were the only ones to have a calling? No, not exactly. It's just, well, history is rather dusty. I'm surprised at you, Abigail. You were in Pompeii during the last days. You've seen the menagerie of the Emperor Constantine, worked there with your own hands. If vibrancy of the past has not impressed itself upon you by now, then I'm afraid you are lost. Oh no, Professor, I meant no disrespect. It's just, in 
medicine, both for humans and for animals, the actual practice of the thing is often bloody and immediate. The books, research and the like, those are the things we do in between bloody episodes. I guess that is why I think of book learning as quiet. Book learning is quiet, but I suppose transmigration has changed all that. Speaking of which, have you heard from Petra? Well, no. I assume she's still in Paris. Paris? When did she go to Paris? Before I came back from the future. I, I don't know, really. I remember being told she was in Paris. Was it you that told me so? I certainly did no such thing. Wait. I am trying to remember. Dr. Sage is in Paris. In... In the category... No. Cata... Cata... Catacombs! It was Justin! He said Petra was being held in the catacombs in Paris! Held? By whom? Calypso? I, I don't know. I don't remember. Justin was shouting at me and then, and, and then everything went black. Oh, he must have been trying to tell me when my recall sounded. That is why it's all so fuzzy. Uh, are you sure he wasn't just saying Petra was with Calypso in Paris? Not a hundred percent, no. But Justin was frantic. I do remember that. He used the word held. The doctor was being held in the catacombs below the city. What do we do? I'm not sure. But if this is Laredo Thames, and they are as bad as Weibo Young and Justin seem to think, well, I'd better go rescue her. What should I do? Is there any way you could be willing to go back into the future? Uh, could you time it to put your back in the body of the zookeeper? Oh, that way you'd be in Justin's house, and maybe we could get some more information. Maybe we could find a way to understand all this. Uh, I'm willing to try. I'd want to run the equations first, but I can transmigrate you to Paris and then take a day to do the math. If I'm going to the minutes after the collapse, after all, it won't matter what time I leave here. Oh, I don't think I should transmigrate to Paris. There's too much left to chance on the general strength, well-being, and skill set of a random body. I won't necessarily be able to rescue Petra if I end up in the body of a small child, for example. Good point. If I catch the packboat tonight, I can be in Paris in the morning. At about the same time, I'm popping back into a body I just evacuated in Justin's house. Oh yes, if that's possible, you think it is? We've never done it. Well, I would assume so. The recall means there is no trauma to the body we are exiting, and Petra has refined the math to pinpoint time and area by a few hundred meters. I suppose it is possible there will be another dead body within range. But didn't Wei Boyong say something about how everyone goes to the hospital when they're ready to die? Yes, that was what my host body had done. I'd say my chances are pretty good then. Recall for two days? Well, even if I find Petra, we won't be back in two days, but I think that should give you sufficient time in the future to talk to Justin and get the answers we seek. I'll telephone you in two days' time with an update. And with that, our adventure is parted and... Uh... Justin... You have an incoming call. I assume that might be Abigail. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you are anything like me, your head is spinning with the implications of all this. Will Erasmus be able to save Petra? Is Abigail back in my time? 
We'll find out after this short musical break. And now, dear friends, we invite you to listen to the talented melodical expressions of Kate Nix. our story. When we left our story, the professor was rushing to the doctor's aid and Abigail was attempting to return to my time. This next part of the story will not be easy to tell. I have pieced together the various elements for you as best as I can. I am secure now in an underground bunker where Lucy has hidden me and established a telesensation link for continuing these broadcasts. It was no longer safe for me to be... It was no longer safe. I think I'll need to let Lucy fill in part of the details, the parts where I have no recollection, but... Uh, okay. Nothing bad is going to happen to me if I just say it. 
Les Arrêts du Temps made their move here at Le Chargé de la Faire. This is how it went down. <coughs> At least my calculations were correct. <coughs> I'm not sure why, but I am having such bad vertical. Must have something to do with the repeat visit to the same form. Oh, I've never gotten a call here. Who is... Diagnostic. Who ordered an injection for Justin Bramer? Detecting a high level of benzodiazepine. He has been drugged. Emergency message to Wei Boyong. Justin Bramer is in danger. I have alerted technicians April and Julio to attend. Permission to initiate protocol Hades? Not now, Ralph. I'm not available for chit-chat. Ralph, I do not have time. I said no chat. This is not a chat. Justin and I had an appointment for chat this evening, but when I dropped into his place, I saw this and thought you might want to see it. I have no times for games, Ralph. Who is that? Oh, they've faced the young man away from the camera. Here, let me rewind a couple of minutes. Uh, Justin said these two buttons behind my ear were the ones to tap, but... Uh, hello? Operator? Oh, what is that? Hello? Oh, uh, hello, young man. Is young Justin about? Or am I interrupting something delicious? Something delicious? No. Who are you? Where are you? Are you with Justin? I beg your pardon. Let me manifest. Uh, my name is Ralph. I am a friend of Justin's. Justin is friends with a floating head wearing a bowler hat and a monocle. Ah, you are new to Recondite, I can tell. I am the Recursion Advanced Linguistic Perception File System, but the students call me Ralph. I had an appointment with Justin this evening to discuss the finer points of physics theory in the late STEAM era. Oh, right. Justin just got called to the office by someone named Lucy. Ah, Lucy. The language unmasking conceptive intellective device. The computer he works with at the Chargé de l'Affaire. I like her. She has quite a remarkable brain. You must be a new friend of Justin's. I do not have you in the university database. How can you know that? I've not given you a name. I scanned you, my dear, of course. Standard protocol, that. Well, I wouldn't be in your files. I I'm new in town. And Justin left you alone? What beastly manners. My goodness, is that a dead body? Ugh, I'm afraid so, yes. It is my... Grandmother. She had a heart attack. I've been waiting for help. Ralph, I have no time for this. We are glad Justin's friend has someone to talk to. Sorry, uh, give me a moment to find the right spot. Ah, here it is. <coughs> Don't move. Oh. <coughs> Up against the wall. Hands behind your head. Where is Justin Bremer? I 
don't know. I don't know. Where is he? I, I don't know. He, he just said he was going back to work. I don't know where that is. Frog piss. I'll secure this guy. You call it in. Find out what they want us to do. Ouch! Sit down and shut up. I minimized as soon as I heard them bashing down the door. They didn't realize I was there recording. They tied that poor zookeeper and left him like this. They didn't search the house or anything. Ralph, rewind to mark 18 minutes, 4 seconds. Frog piss! Stop. There. Zoom in on his lapel. Leray du tome. Thank you, Ralph. I will send help for the young man. I have technicians here to deal with. Goodbye. Lucy? What is wrong with Justin? April. Julio. I'm glad you two are here. We've activated Hades. I need you to get Justin out of the chair and onto a transport disc. What is wrong with him? He has been drugged with a strong dose of benzodiazepine. His vitals are stable, but he will be out for a number of hours. I have reason to believe Leray Duton is making some kind of move against Le Chargé de la Faire, maybe against the government too. My primary connection to the outside world has been severed. A small kernel was installed in the telesensation chair, hidden in the mechanical code. It triggered an injection. I am trying to follow the footprints, but whoever did this was good. Is this the same MO as the hacking during the hurricane? I don't know yet if it is the same, but it is safe to say another hacking attempt is being made. We don't have much time. How do we know they are not in your systems already, Lucy? You let me worry about me. My defenses are robust, and I have a few new tricks I've installed since the last time. For now, we need to get Justin to safety. Julio? Help me out here. Julio? Lo siento, April. April, the same dosage that was administered to Justin. You are with Leray Duton. There are many of us. It would not have come to this if Weiboyang would have just listened to reason. What are you going to do? You can't kill Justin. No, you're right. There's one final piece of the doctor's discovery that we do not have. Well, Justin here is the only man alive who can manage a telesensation connection strong enough to understand research notes. We need him to get that information for us. But don't worry, your pet human is safe. For now. Whatever it is you are trying to accomplish, you will not succeed. Humans. They always forget the power of a computer with control of all systems. Of course, I have multiple backup defense injectors. I learned my lesson during the hurricane. Now, I can get a medbot to move Justin, but I'll need a conscious human to enter the Hades bunker. Let me just override the answer protocol on Abigail's comm chip. Abigail? Mix and whistle. Are you all right? I'm here. I'm okay. No need to speak out loud. I can hear your thoughts. Hold on. The medbot is coming. They will cut you free. I need you to be my legs. I'm going to transfer a stub of my processor into your comms unit. Hopefully it will be enough. Who are you? What kind of mechanical man are you? 
Abigail, turn and face the screen. See the green light? What is it with all these talking walls? All of... Oh, we are computers, Abigail. Advanced machines with language modules that allow us to translate pure mathematics into human speech patterns, among other things. But there is no real time for this. Justin is in danger. We must act fast. May I come on board? On board? Into your comms unit. You want to enact co-apperception with me? You expect me to share my head with a difference engine? Don't be ridiculous. I could not possibly fit even a thousandth of my intellect into a human head. This will just be a voice communications link so I can guide you to Justin and you can save the day. Alright? Alright. Fine. Wait. Will it hurt? Not at all. There now. Can you hear me? Yes. An interesting note. Your voice remains female in your head. I suppose that would be because I am female? Right. The medbot is here. Don't be alarmed. The machine will help you. Untie you. Check you for injury. That sort of thing. Patient identified. Patient exhibiting raised cortisol levels. All other indications are within acceptable parameters. Releasing patient from bombs. Good. Abigail. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't believe this body has had a drop of water nor a bite to eat all day. I am dizzy from it. Can we not please take a moment and show me how to access food? Human weakness is annoying. Fine. One moment and the medbot will give you a nutrition and hydration boost. Ow! What was that for? That was a full day's calories with necessary vitamins and minerals. The second injection was for hydration. You should feel the effects in just a few moments. Thank you, I suppose. Now, Abigail, I'm going to need you to follow my instructions exactly. Lucy managed to get Abigail to Le Charge de la Fer and into my cubicle where April and Julio were slumped on the floor and I still lay insensible in my chair. Since I had no more idea than you at this point what was happening, this might be a good place to pause for a word from our sponsor. Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. What is Wi-Fi Sci-Fi? It's Girl in Space. Tales of Sage and Savant. The Ninth World Journal. Oz9. Moonbase Theta. Out. It's Girl in Space. Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. What is Wi-Fi Sci-Fi? Find out at Wi-Fi Sci-Fi dot O-R-G. Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, listeners. This is Eddie. This is Chip. We're from the Tales of Sage and Savant. And we are so thrilled to be part of Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. What is Wi-Fi Sci-Fi, you might ask? Well, it's a collection of six shows that all take place in some other space and time. The cool thing is, Wi-Fi Sci-Fi is those six podcasts coming together to do a live show. 
But not only a live show, we're also going to record that live show so that members of our audience that can't come to Seattle to see it in person will still get a recording of the magic that we're planning to make happen. Plus, we have cool things like an awesome hoodie and support our Indiegogo to help make this live show a reality. We want you to join the madness and come aboard for Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. Check out Wi-Fi SciFi.org. Yes, dear friends, you heard it here. Wi-Fi Sci-Fi, coming April 2020. And now, back to our show. Abigail, in the body of the handsome young zookeeper, came to my rescue thanks to the guiding influence of Lucy. I will simply play the record for you so that you can hear what happened next. What do I do? I have a medbot on the way to check that Justin is medically stable and then place him on a transportation disc. It is important to get him to the basement into a secure location. The path has been cleared and the security key to his eye print only. I don't anticipate needing to move him whilst unconscious. We foolishly believed we might have a bit more time. So you will come along with us and peel back his eyelid at the appropriate moment. What about these other two? Are they dead? April is, I fear. Julio administered a lethal dose. I refrain from doing the same to him, but he will sleep for a couple of days. The medbots will secure him as well, until he can be questioned. Now, let me remove Justin's helmet. Clear way to the patient. Make way. Patient has metabolized a very large dose of benzodiazepine, administering flumazenil. No, wait. Can you put the flumazenil in a handheld syringe and give it to this young man? We will administer it when we have Justin safe. Injection should not be attempted by untrained humans. I am a trained medical doctor and a veterinarian. I can administer a shot. Intramuscular, subcutaneous, intravenous, or interdermal. Intravenous. Thank you. I've got it. Good. Let's load him onto the transportation disc. But that... That is impossible. He's floating. Abigail, we need to get moving. I am not sure if there are others from Leire du Ton on the way. Medbot, please take Julio to the infirmary, but keep him under lockdown. And please send a compatriot for April. We will need to notify her next of kin, but it will have to wait until we have secured the building. Abigail, follow the green path. I have watched the security tapes of our daring escape, and I must say the stumbling mess we presented looked nothing like the heroics in entertainments. Moths buzzed us, but Lucy knocked them out one by one. She reported that they had each been individually hacked, and other than a buried Go code, they were not being remote controlled. Lucy burrowed into the moth system, zapping flies as Abigail pulled me out of my cubicle and down the hall on the transport disc. She shambled, I presume at Lucy's directions, to the forbidden door which leads to the deep interior of the building. This was the door the transmigrationists went through, forbidden to this mere telesensationist. So I was surprised when I watched Abigail thrust my face against the reader and the door opened. They got me into a secure room, which I cannot reveal the location of, just in case, and we passed the night, Abigail in fitful pacing, me in uncomfortable sleep. 
In the morning, Lucy lit a green path for me, and I left Abigail in the bunker and walked down the hall a hundred meters or so, through a door marked janitorial which had a hidden palm reader, and into a telesensation chamber. Time is of the essence now, Justin. We have less than 100 documents relating to Dr. Sage left to review. Wei Boyong and I believe you will be safer if you do not exit the building until we have discovered what it is Le Rey Duton is seeking and stop them from achieving their goals. No one except Abigail and Wei Boyong know you are here. You will be safe in the trance. Do we know what's happened with the doctor? The professor? We do not know. I do have a record here, a diary entry by the professor. Uh, please, initiate the file. Tell sensation file initialized. When the professor arrived in Paris, he went straight to the offices of Le Chargé de l'Affaire, but found them shuttered and unoccupied. Undeterred, he scuttled around the back and found his way inside. He prowled through the entire building, but it was completely empty and clean. In the kitchen he found a note, dated eight days prior, granting the staff a two-week leave. Continuing his search, the professor moved upstairs and found a surgery, scrubbed and gleaming in the shaft of weak Paris sunlight that speared between drawn shutters. He was about to leave the room when something told him to look into the covered rubbish bin. Here now, what is this? Inside the rubbish were wads of bloody gauze, and on top, one inch-long ginger curl. Petra! Oh, Petra, what have they done to you? This can't be you volunteering for some surgical thing or another. You would never allow your surgery to be cleaned without emptying the rubbish. If you were conscious, this would not have been left. So where are you, my dear? The catacombs? I'd assumed Abigail was being fanciful. I wonder how can I get down there? Erasmus left on a hunt to find his way below ground. The catacombs are underground ossuaries which hold the remains of more than six million people in a small section of a tunnel network built as part of the effort to eliminate the city's overflowing cemeteries. They extend south from the Barriere d'Enfer, the Gate of Hell. Ladies and gentlemen, I pride myself on being as dispassionate as possible as an academic and an historian, but even in the midst of scholarly distance, I cannot help but notice that Erasmus is willing to go to the gates of hell to retrieve his love. It is something out of a romance novel. Petronella Sage, 
You are not allowed to help me. You hear? <laughs> it will take more than this to kill me. I am a professional at death, after all. I will be back, love. Here, drink a couple of swallows. Hold on to your strength. The professor reluctantly left his love chained in the shadows of a crypt lined with thousands of bones. Will Erasmus succeed in rescuing the doctor? Will they be able to stop the machinations of Lesare du Temps? We'll find out in the next episode of The Tales of Sage and Savant. The Tales of Sage and Savant is a Twin Star production brought to you on the first of each month from our Southern California studios. Starring Eddie Louise as Sage, Chip Michael as Savant, Emily Riley Pyatt as Abigail, and Justin Bremer as the narrator. Soundtrack music, sound design, and audio engineering by Chip Michael. The theme song for season four was interpreted and recorded by Victor and the Bully. Special music in this episode was provided by Kate Nix. We would like to extend our gratitude to this month's sponsor, Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. Episode 404, insert tab F in slot P, was written by Eddie Louise. Check out our website, sageandsavant.com, to find the facts behind the fiction. If you like our show and would like to help us do what we do, go to patreon.com slash sageandsavant and become a supporter. And finally, as always, we urge you to remember that death is no barrier to science. Science.